You tell dad what, jokes. What kind of man was Boaz before he was married? I don't know. He's ruthless. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is part two of Real Talk with <laughs> Cross Gen. Yeah, I got that. You got that. That was on there. <laughs> Oh, that's like that's like here. I got you another one. Yeah. Who in the Bible had no parents? I suppose Adam. Joshua, son of none. Yeah, that's, <laughs> terrible. that's terrible. This is oh, Cross Chin Podcast, and I'm here with Big John from Real Talk, and we are calling this Real Talk with Cross Chin Part Two. And if you want to check out Part One, that is on Real Talk with Big John's podcast. You can find that on CrossChinProductions.com or anywhere that. You find podcasts. I don't know where you listen to them, but it's on there. Um, on part one, we covered quite a bit, really, but we covered the gospel. And you want to share how you kind of uh, answer, ask that question? Yeah, so uh, why is the gospel message important? What is your gospel message? Is your gospel message biblical? You know, and, yeah. and, and how, how does your gospel message... Uh, also correlate with your creation narrative. How's yeah. your gospel message save, and how's your gospel message fit with your eschatology? Pretty much it. Pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, I mean all, that covered all, pretty much the whole all of thing. creation and grace. You and, know, we yeah. we talked some about grace, uh, which we'll discuss here again. But the main topics we're going to touch here is holiness and legalism, and obviously that's all going to pivot off of grace. But, um. First of all, let me ask you this question. What's that, brother? What is holiness? Holiness is, and it's open ended, I guess. But holiness is is a life that is in, that is in, in alignment with God's righteousness. Right. A life that is lived, in my best understanding of it, a life that is lived in right relationship with God, as much as possible in thought, word, and deed. Right subsequent to a new birth I, I word it that way because i believe that holiness why is necessary is also something that is born out of a relationship with christ yeah. not the other way yeah your 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 lot your your holiness does not begin your relationship with christ yeah but it follows right absolutely well and I'm going to go back to that Titus 11 and 14, okay. you know, because I felt like that can also, I mean, I covered so many of these topics that we were trying to discuss, but for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. I feel like that's a good definition of holiness. It's just a set apartness yeah. of, it's not necessarily being perfect or perfection it's just the um it's the pursuit of it yeah is, is a better is a better way to put that it, it is saying that um I, i'm going to be different and i'm gonna turn away from sin and i'm gonna live the best that i can and i feel like holiness is more of a pursuit than a state of being in one moment i guess is the best way to put it because i mean obviously we can't be holy aside from jesus christ absolutely you know? i think that uh that, that what you hit on there it might be the actual biblical definition of holy holiness which is separate right separation and and not separation just for the sake of being different 
but being set apart for God, by God, for God, that, that, that Christ in you be the thing that separates you from the world. Yeah. And, and you, uh, you may be the only guy you work with without a, a calendar on the wall full of half-dressed women yeah. in the shop. Yeah. You may be the only guy that you work with that doesn't drink alcohol. And this is not because you think that this makes you moral. Yeah. But it's because of your convictions yeah. that you don't do that those things, right? Right. And I, I kind of, you know, we had this conversation a minute ago. I, I alluded to holiness and um, those things in the cost, anointing and Pentecost. I think, I don't remember what part it was. I think it was part three. I think so. I think it was part three. I alluded to that. And I felt like I kind of did a disservice because there's there's so much more meat to it than oh, just man, yeah. running through it really quickly. Um, but another place I have is First uh, Peter one. Um, I'm gonna start at I start at fifteen. And I'm gonna go verse fifteen to verse nineteen. First Peter one. First Peter one fifteen and nineteen. So it says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Mm -hmm. It says, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, it's that putting on of Christ that Paul talks about that. I love that, putting on. Putting on of Christ like like a, I mean, and, and this isn't trying to be sacrilegious, but like a, like a jacket, like a sports jacket, you know, representing that you are part of, you know, you are part of something that's bigger than yourself, you know, and putting on that, that, you know, putting on Christ, which is holiness. And, and it's funny because, you know, if you read where it talks about Adam and Eve being covered by God after that sacrifice, so to speak, mm-hmm. when he covered them in the same way, you know, we're putting on Christ, so to speak. He clothed us with Christ, and that's brings us to holiness. There's so much that... We we almost look at holiness today as being negative, don't we? Yeah. And, and yeah. we shouldn't do that. But we look at holiness as, a, as this is a restrictive lifestyle. People shy away from it. They do. They do. And now you were raised at Pentecostal church. Yeah. So yeah. this topic of holiness is something that you lived your entire life in. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I've heard it preached about my entire life. So as somebody who... Who, who has absolutely zero things to yeah. compare that to. When you when you s- talk with people, your peers in school, did you feel like you were missing out when you was homeschooled? But I mean, yeah. when you when you talked to well, peers still, in other yeah. places, did you did you feel as if though you were missing out on anything? I did because I remember times where I was working at Ingalls. Um, that was my first job, um, and there come a point in time where people stopped asking me to do things because there was going to be alcohol there. There was going to be this, there was going to be that. And 
And I was like, why don't people ask me? And then it just dawned on me. It's like, because they know I'm just, yeah. you know, I've, I've made it known that I don't really do those things. And, and I mean, it did. It makes you kind of feel, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I guess, you know, they know that. Yeah. They know what's know, up. They know what's up. Yeah. For lack of better words. <laughs> I heard a man say one time that he, he was like you. He was raised his entire life in a, in a Christian home. And although he, he didn't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and repent until he was, uh, you know, middle school age or early yeah. high school age within a few years of, of accepting uh, or accepting Christ he accepted the call to preach so we're talking about a man who was 16 yeah who was preaching the gospel yeah and people had told him you're gonna miss out on so much yeah you're not gonna be able to live your life and, and you're not gonna have how are you gonna preach to people about things that you don't have any idea about you know and he was preaching in a Baptist church in in uh, uh, Moseboro Moseboro, yeah, Temple oh, you, Temple yeah. Baptist at Six yeah, Point on the frontage road. Nice Temple Temple Baptist <laughs> at Six Point. Brother Jesse Harden's church. Anyway, he was from uh, Conley Springs. Yeah, and he got up there and he said, "I did miss out on a lot." He said, "But I didn't realize how much I missed out on until I was doing counseling with people yeah. on their second wife." Yeah, until I yeah. was counseling people who had become alcoholic before yeah. they were legally old enough to drink and before it all shook out they had ruined their entire life over a drink yeah they had cheated on their wives because they didn't understand how important it was to protect the covenant yeah. of marriage and he said yeah you know by god's grace i missed out on a lot yeah and and i think that that is the mindset that we ought to have is that you you, you you're indeed going to miss out on some things all those sins the bible says there's pleasure in them for a season yeah but there, all those chickens come home to roost. Yep. Well, the thing is, holiness is an exchange. Yeah. So it's saying, I'm not going to do these things in exchange for something better, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and going back to what you were saying, talking about me, I've been in this thing. And there's certain things, and I haven't really discussed this, but one thing I did, and me and my wife both did, was save ourselves for marriage, yeah. you know? And going back to what you're talking about, about uh brother from Connolly Springs um, you don't realize whether it be be that or whatever else the exchange of the greater thing that you're getting by Certainly. setting yourself apart and the thing that you get to experience and, and through the way that God meant for it to be you know what I'm saying exactly the way God meant for it to be being the crucial word in that statement uh, I heard a fella say in terms of you used to talk about saving yourself from marriage. And yeah. This would apply in, in in every arena, right? But in that one in particular, I remember hearing a, uh, I think his brother Ray Comfort was preaching on this. Yeah, he was talking about sexual immorality. Yeah, and giving counsel to uh, teenagers. Yeah. in a conference or something, and he said, premarital sex is much like uh, your dad saying to you, "I've got a hundred dollar bill in my pocket that's yours." tomorrow yeah and him taking his billfold out of his pocket and putting on the dresser and going outside and you going in there and taking that, that hundred dollars out of his billfold because after all it's yours one day right mm -hmm. it's already promised to you and it's your money so you might as well have it now yeah he said but now that you've stolen that money it it brings a certain amount of shame yeah. that everything that you purchased with that money you know that you used that money yeah. before it was actually yours that you wow. stole that and you've tainted everything that it's touched. Yeah. Because of unholy living. Wow. You know, 
one of the things that I wanted to touch on is we, we've said this in the Church of God since I've been in it. Without holiness, no man will see God. Yeah, yeah. Right? And 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 for those people who who listen and think that 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 is somehow another antithetical to grace. Yeah. That that's an opposition to grace. I want to read that in context. Yep. Hebrews chapter twelve. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every incumbent and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set up before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, whom the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will, grow, will not grow weary and lose heart. I read that right that part right there to set the stage for the verses that follow it because you have to read it in context. Verse 4 starts out, You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which you addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom yeah. he receives. Yeah. It is the discipline that you endure it is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as sons for what son is there whom the father does not discipline but if you are without discipline of though all have become partakers and you are an illegitimate children and not sons furthermore we have an earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live for the discipline for for they disciplined us for a short time and it seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. What's that? We may share his holiness. Yeah. All the discipline, all this reproof is so that we can share in his holiness, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet for those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields peace, fruit, and righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb for the so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed pursue peace with all men and this version says and the sanctification without without which no one will see the lord you see everything that he's talking about in terms of holiness is hinged already upon grace yeah it's it, it's a it's a prerequisite to holiness yeah. is grace. He's saying, listen, the discipline that we're receiving from our Father is because He loves us. Yeah. And He loves us not because He has to, but because of His grace He yeah. loves us. So many times we spend our lives upset because God's reproving us when that reproof works for us a weight of glory. Yeah. He, abstinence is not just some rule, some legal obligation that's set aside so that man can't have any uh, experiences before he gets married. It keeps you pure physically and spiritually, obviously, if you're saved. Now, these things, the difference between holiness and legalism is that the legalist would say that 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 pursuit of abstinence makes you right with God. Well, that can't be so. No, because that'd be works. That would be works. And if you listen to part one, you know that works yeah. is is antithetical to the gospel. Right. So 
The difference, I suppose, up front is that legalism somehow implies that your work or your adherence to a legal system grants you some relationship with God and that holiness that you that people see is an outward sign of you being legal. Wow. Is that fair? Yeah. You know, something I was thinking about as you were talking was that grace and holiness, it kind of works, and this is going to sound completely crazy, but it, it reminds me of insurance, right? So grace is kind of like an insurance policy, right? <laughs> but that don't mean that you're going to go out and wreck your vehicle so that you can receive that insurance policy. You're still going to do everything you can to protect your vehicle and protect what's been what what you have and what's been given to you so you don't have to you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you still are covered under that insurance, yeah. under that umbrella of of protection, you know. That's great. And that's kind of what that grace and holiness makes you think of cuz it is it just it goes hand in hand together. So the question I have for you is, to put you on the spot, because I, I know how you love it. Oh, yeah, I love it. So so then is is holiness an instantaneous thing? Is, holy, is there a timeline where a man is made completely holy with God as, an, as, as a rule, and then from there on his life he's entire holy? Or is holiness more of a growing thing? As your relationship with God grows, holiness is maybe a linear. Well, I think that brings us into sanctification. Then I think sanctification, and holiness, may be some, maybe yeah, two sides it, of a different. Yeah, coin, it's it's same coin. synonyms at sort of, at, but in my opinion, and and I said this during the other podcast, not on here, but on um, there again on the cost, I rocked a couple boats by saying, you know, within the Church of God realm. Save, sanctify, fill with the Holy Ghost. I said, I don't believe that process. I, I mean, a lot of people may reprimand me for that, but in my unexpert knowledge, most people say expert knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> say my unexpert opinion, you're saved by grace through Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us, death, resurrection. He sanctifies you through that by that covering. Mm -hmm. That don't mean that you're perfect. That just means that you're under that insurance policy now. But you still have a responsibility to take care of that vehicle that yeah. we're in until you reach the end of your journey. So, you know, they're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified some more, <laughs> live a little longer, sanctified some more. Once you finally reach the end destination, then as when I believe that you were brought into that fullness when incorruptible or was it corruptible puts on incorruptible oh, you're getting to my favorite chapter yeah now. i mean that that is when so to answer your question do i ever think you'll reach a place of holiness yeah when you're dead <laughs> or you go by the way of the rapture you know whichever happens first um but that is my belief i believe that sanctification isn't a on this side not speaking on when we get to heaven but on this <laughs> side i don't think Sanctification and holiness is a fin finality, or it isn't a finite thing. It is a process throughout our whole lives. That's that's where I stand on that. Because why then would Paul say, you know, the things I want to do I don't do, and the things that don't want to do I do? If when he was saved in that experience, why why wasn't he just perfect and didn't have those issues anymore? You know what I'm saying? He I even do. alluded to that. One of the things that I'm going to I'm going to, pin, I'm going to dovetail off this, something that I heard a man say, 
I can't take credit for it. When you first when you look at Paul's books in chronological order, you see where Paul defends his apostleship early yeah. on in his letters. Yeah. And towards the end of his letters, before his his latter letters, he says, Among sinners I'm chief. Yeah. So yeah. he starts out, I'm I'm an apostle, although abnormally born, I'm an apostle nonetheless. Yeah. And, and worthy of this rank. And at the end of his life, not that he's any less worthy of the rank. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Paul. I'm just saying that it looks as if, though, his walk with God, the deeper he got with God, revealed to him the more he needed yeah. God. Yeah. And I think that that relationship uncovers really how, how depraved man yeah. is. At, at, well, in the piggyback on that, you know, another thing he talks about, going back to Jesus, talk mm-hmm. about Jesus. Um, you know, Paul talks about, you know, his history and all that that he had going on. You know, I was Pharisee of Pharisees. I was this, that, and the other. I was, you know, c- circumcised. You know, when I was supposed to be circumcised, he's like, you know, I'm counting all this as garbage. That's right. For the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there again, it just brings him back to saying you know it's all about christ and and that covering mm-hmm. so therefore you know he he okay he kept the law to the t and he tried to live that so-called holiness and and perfection because the pharisees and the religious leaders thought that they had a perfection but there again it brings you back to jesus mm-hmm. and what he did and and how our holiness and sanctification is found through him ultimately ultimately I mean, Jesus is, is the author and the perfecter. Yeah. Some versions say finisher. This the NASB says perfecter, yeah. and I love that because I think that that we understand as you were talking about, you're only perfected in in, uh, in the resurrection. Yeah. Right. As right. long as you're in this flesh, you're subject to sin. Absolutely. Not to say that you're. Let me back up because that's going to sound like I'm saying you're you're slave to sin. You're capable. Of sinning because you're still in flesh. Right. Right. Now, you're not subject to the sin. Nope. As in you're a slave to it because God has given you a, a sound mind. Yeah. Well, that's Romans, too. You know. Yeah, he covered that in Romans right. 6, I think it is. Sin's power, or the, or was it sin's power is broken or something mm-hmm. like that? So how can we live in sin when we're dead to it? Yep. So the resurrection of the dead, I love this. This I see it. I'm a, I've done a lot of farming in my life. Yeah. And I love the thought of planting something and getting something else. Yeah. So you plant a kernel of corn and you get a stalk and that stalk will bear more than one ear. So you put one kernel in the ground and you get 700 kernels back. That's amazing yeah. to me. Talk about exchange, mm-hmm. right? So as for the resurrection of the dead, in it sown a perishable body. And raised an imperishable one. Wow. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Sown in the natural body, raised in the spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. So also is it written, the first man Adam became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Wow. However, the na- uh, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man... Is from the earth, earthly, and the second man is from heaven. As in the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. 
and as in the heavenly are those who are heavenly. Wow. Just as some have, just as some born the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Wow. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. We'll all be changed in a moment. Twinkle in an eye. Mm, go ahead, brother. In <laughs> the last run around this I'm telling you, son. <laughs> For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. You see, yeah. that's why he says at the end of this, old, old grave, where's your victory? Old death, where's your yeah. sting? And since we're talking about legalism and holiness, yep. the sting of death is sin. Yep. And the power of sin's in the law. Wow. So you keep the law in all of its glory, and it only serves to give sin its power. Yep. Paul would say that sin became exceedingly sinful because of the law. Had there not been a law, I'd never known sin. Yep. Well, well, in a sense, there wouldn't necessarily be a sin because there wouldn't be a law to commit. I mean, a, a law to break so to speak to a sense you're right but then we'd also have the inherited sin of Adam because yep. Adam broke God's commandment yep so there would be sin but there wouldn't be an answer for sin because there wouldn't be any way to fulfill the law to atone for it and then the crazy part is he tells he tells Adam and Eve don't eat of this tree they eat of it sin comes on the scene then God gives the law and then Jesus comes along to fulfill the law, all in one swing of the word, you know. And it's just, wow, you know, because he puts that there, and then he fulfills it all in one yeah. all in one way. So the only one who kept the law that had any right to be legal, a legalist, was the one who gave grace in abundance. Mm-hmm. But those of us who are so needy, yeah. of grace can sometimes be the one who is so legal minded yeah yeah that we don't give grace whenever we have an opportunity to give it uh, you know there's things that some people view as personal convictions and that's kind of we didn't talk about this but, yeah. but as we've that's been flying by the seat of our pants this whole night uh, let's, go let's go for it right so there's certain things that I think are convictions that a certain person may have that apply to that person and maybe not to everybody and an example of that would be something as simple as I have a friend who doesn't bother him a bit to wear a ball cap in church I actually have several friends that can wear a ball cap in the church and it doesn't bother them Mm -hmm. and it doesn't bother them to see anybody with a ball cap on and I wouldn't wear one in in church in sanctuary further than my seat now that is because when I was when I was young, I was taught not to. I was taught it was a sign of respect to yeah. remove your hat when you walked into a building. I don't read that in the Bible, right? Right. I don't see in any in any New Testament or Old Testament scripture where it says if you don't if you don't do this. In fact, I can see where dress is important in the law, but I can't see where dress is important in grace. Right. As long as you're you're modest in your appearance, yeah. right? Right. So I don't ever say anything to anybody who wears a ball cap because it's not their conviction to not wear a ball cap. And it's such a minor thing that what if you were to say something 
And they think, well, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to come yeah. in here and sit down, and this guy's going to say something to me about my ball cap. Mm-hmm. You know, now that's different if it's if a guy walks in and he's wearing clothes that are that are crude, and and, yeah. and he's exposing himself to children and women. Yeah. You know, that's different. Well, I mean, if there's a um, a blatant a blatant misconduct of of scripture and certainly, I was to say, you know. That's one thing. If if somebody's out lying, I mean, you can't say that. Yeah. Oh, that's a personal conviction because he just likes. To, he says he's joking. No, I mean, if yeah, you a lie's that, a lie. A lie's a lie. Yeah. But you get into personal conviction, and and that is just. That's a whole different story, especially when you're pushing them on people, because we see that a lot too. You know, people think that holiness. Is. You know, it's kind of like what Paul said. He said, well, "What business do I have judging people in the world?" You know, that's up to God. But I have a, and I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I basically have a right to judge those inside of the church. Certainly, because you've made a commitment. Right. And you've made a, 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 a oh, mercy, John. You can't, I'm virtually worthless at this time of night. You've made the good proclamation. Yeah. Now you yeah. need to back it up. Right. But, you know, people take that to a whole nother level. And here, I, I actually got a, I got a definition from Merriam-Webster of what legalism is. And this is interesting. I just sitting here looking at this. It's defined as a strict, literal, or excessive conformity to the law <laughs> or to religious or moral code. Now, that's interesting, you know, because it sounds kind of pharisaical to me already. Yeah. Just out the gate because strict, literal, or excessive conformity to what the law and mm-hmm. and that's how the Pharisees were a lot was to the law and to the things most of them that they had come up with. You yeah. know, there was a lot of them that they there was like six hundred and thirteen. Yeah, six hundred and thirteen that they come up with. So um but then again Proverbs sixteen two says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. <laughs> man, you go tell a man, you ask a man about himself, and first thing he'll do is talk about how good he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, now, granted, I have this. Now, now that doesn't, there's a fine line. I mean, there really is between holiness, which there again, we've already covered that in personal conduct and legalism. But legalism, I think, just takes that a step further. And I think it's a, I think it's a, depends on, the prostration of your heart, you know, is where yeah. legalism and holiness kind of has a blurred line. So, so one of the things you brought up the Pharisees, and I, you know, my name's John. Yeah, I like old John the Baptist. I, you know, I think he's just old. He'd have been from Cherville. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. He, <laughs> no, I'd probably Kraus. Kraus, South Kraus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He was probably he could be he could probably preach just as he's on South Fork River, couldn't he? Have you seen the Chosen yet? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was a pretty good depiction of what yeah. I think John the Baptist was like. So now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." For this is the one who referred by Isaiah the prophet when he said, "The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, yep. make his path straight." John himself had a garment of camel's hair and, le- and a leather belt around his waist, and the food was locusts and wild honey. Now, it's interesting that it words it that way because that was a legal diet for a Jew. Really? 
Absolutely. He wow. could eat locusts. He couldn't eat a pig. But he could eat locusts and wild honey. The Jerusalem was going out. Uh, then Jerusalem was going out to him in all Judea in a district around Jordan. And they being baptized by him the Jordan River, and they confessed their sins. When they saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that the stones God is, from these stones God is able to raise up children of Abraham. So he's pretty much telling them, don't come up to me with your law. He's telling them to repent just like he's telling the common everyday man to repent. Right. Their adherence to their strict pharisaical and Sadducee set, the Sanhedrin themselves and all their, their man-made honor needed to repent. They were they were they were guilty, right? And John is this is some of the first times you hear this in Scripture. You know, yeah. you got a, you got this wild man, you know, grasshopper legs in his beard. <laughs> uh, I think a locust is kind of a grasshopper, ain't it? It's like a really big grasshopper, probably a distant cousin or something. Like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you were going to eat them, I think you'd want the bigger one, right? You have yeah, to eat less of them. Be a grasshopper, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, or, I, I, I think a locust is probably bigger. I think so. I'd say so. Yeah, that's the Egyptian grasshopper. Yeah, because that's you remember when they had that infestation there over in the Middle East? Mm -hmm. It was like a year ago or something like that. That was crazy. Yeah. But anyway. I digress. (laughs) He was telling them, these keepers of the law, repent. So the law wasn't good enough. And he knew that. He called them a brood of vipers. They didn't like him. He said, don't come up to me telling me that your DNA, that your blood, that your lineage gives you some access to God through Abraham, which is what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. Your access to God needs to come through Jesus. You know what the sad part is about the Pharisees? The sad part is about the Pharisees and Sadducees and um, all of those is their intentions were good. I, I think I think a lot of them's intentions were good as far as they wanted to honor God, mm-hmm. but then again, they're just blind leading the blind. I mean, they're missing it all together, you know, and it's sad sometimes because I think people in their legalism that a lot of them, and, and, and obviously, I mean, a lot of it is just, it, it don't bring about really anything good, you know, legalism, but people have a good heart about it. And the, and the thing is, I believe we're hard a lot of times on, uh, I'll say Pharisees and Sadducees. A lot of times we're like, well, Jesus, you know, he he hated religious people and stuff. No, I mean, he didn't. Hate, I don't think he hated religious people. He hated the way that they were acting. But, yeah, I mean. And the reason I say that is, was just like when I was listening to that David Wilkerson sermon the other day, and he was talking, and he and right here in Luke, and this is probably just a random verse to pick up, <laughs> but what I got from it was, is Luke 7, 40 and Jesus answered and said to him it, he was in the Pharisee's house and it had not mentioned anything about his name or anything mm-hmm. it just said he was in a Pharisee's house uh, it said Simon I have something to say to you he called him by name mm-hmm. he knew him you know and, and the thing is I mean he called Paul Zacchaeus you know? Zacchaeus I mean all these people that were 
And I'll say Paul, I'll stick there because Paul, you know, again, going back to the scripture we was talking about earlier, where he was like, you know, I, I persecuted and he was like, I, I was Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the law and all that stuff. But he still called him out of that. I mean, he loves those Pharisees and those legalistic people. He don't like their actions at all. Certainly he condemns not. them. Yeah. But almost because I, I think I think sometimes people are more stubborn than others, and you have to kind of talk to them as if they got a hard head. And I think that's what Jesus was doing. You know, he was he was, you know, you brood of vipers and a bunch of you know. So. So, how how can how can we learn from them? The Pharisees and Sadducees. Yeah. And the legalism. That's a good question. Um, because you said that, that Jesus loved them, but they, you know, you have to admit that that Jesus Jesus was harder on them than anybody. Absolutely. And I think it's because Absolutely. they had knowledge. The uh, Paul said they were given the oracles of God first, yeah. so I think he held them more accountable. Yeah, absolutely. Now yeah. that's not to say that if they if they die apart from Christ, they go to hell. So would the drunkard yeah. that Jesus ministered to yeah. that didn't repent either. They'd go to hell together. Yeah. Now, you granted, know? I'm not giving them a pass. I'm not. I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm just. I don't know who's listening, so I'm trying to make sure that we we catch it on. Yeah. On all ends of the on spectrum. On all ends of the spectrum. Is that I know that Christ loved them because yeah. he came to die for them. Right. Absolutely. At the same time, he was harder on them than anybody. Yeah. But then you see Paul, who was redeemed out of that. Yeah. And we get nearly half the New Testament. Yeah. And we're even having the conversation we're having. This is, oddly enough, uh, mostly Paul's books we're quoting. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's an advocate of grace over everything, an advocate of faith over everything. It, I don't come here to brag about my lineage or my yeah. or my my past of legal expertise. I come to say I, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I say to know nothing. So, well, it's what, what you come to learn is everything that you thought you knew was irrelevant up until that's right now because. You know, Paul, you know, he counted it all as garbage, you know, or some, I think some translations call it dung and mm -hmm. crazy stuff like that, you know, so that he could have more of Christ. You know, it, it turns your so-called holiness into just faith and grace, you know. I mean, it's yeah. just like, for lack of better words. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in there, but I want to make sure that you you've covered some things. I don't I got a squirrel moment coming. Oh, that's fine. So in anticipation of a squirrel moment, I want to make sure that we we've covered everything we want to cover in that section before we before I throw this. Glad out. you catch your squirrels because mine just keep on running. No, well, I don't know if we're gonna catch you. <laughs> that's just a squirrel moment. So can God? I say that, and we already know the answer. God can use a donkey, right? Yep. So God can use anybody. Yeah. But do you think that God uses? even people when they're in this legalistic mode to still prophesy and to still preach effectively. Because I, I found a scripture that is interesting to me where the high priest is still working inside of the office of the high priest before Christ's crucifixion and he prophesies correctly 
and they and they miss it. And 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 I think I'm going to preach on this Sunday because as you were talking about this, it went with something that I already been on my heart <laughs> yeah. all day. What if you don't have ears to hear, and you still have the mouth that's saying it? Hmm. So Caiaphas here. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council, and they were saying. What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go like this, all men will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Interesting that that's what his concern is. This is at Jesus' mock trial. Yeah. He didn't really have a fair shake before his crucifixion. Right. Are they worried about them keeping the law? <laughs> are they worried about people uh, not becoming holy and no. missing out on God? No. These people are worried about losing their place and their nation. Right. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Wow. He's still fulfilling the the whole plan without even realizing it. Now he did this. He did not say this of his own initiative. Yeah. But being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but but in order that he might also gather together into one children uh gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad so that from that day on from that day on they planned together to kill him. Wow. He he prophesied, we need him to die for the better of our nation. Now now he had ears, but not to hear. Yeah. But he he saw peace of this plan. But his plan was to kill Jesus so that they could keep their life and their status quo as it was, because he's he's shaking the bushes. Yeah. We can't have that. Instead, what he was what he was saying, he didn't realize was that we need him to die for our sin. Right. And he missed it. And he's the one that said it. Wow. That's great. So to answer your question, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it's pretty plain there. But yeah, I mean, I do believe that in people's, I would say people's legalism. Let's, let's stick with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That'd be fine. And yeah, I, I mean, I do believe that, I mean, because obviously they were still teachers of the law. You know, even though some of it was not, it was man-made. I mean, they still were. They had perverted the thing. Yeah, they perverted it. But now I also notice, and this is something that uh, I believe your father-in-law said one time. I thought it was great. He said, you notice that even though Jesus condemned the practices of the Pharisee, he still encouraged the disciples to go to, to go to synagogue. Yeah. The old statement of it's better to go to church with the hypocrite than go to hell yeah. with them. It's so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You you might be in there with people who are doing things wrong, but if they're reading from that scripture, they can't and, and they don't alter in the scripture. If they're just reading straight from from the Holy Bible, right? That's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Their their input is irrelevant. Well, I mean, somebody I don't know why I, I was thinking about Nicodemus. You know, it's that's, a great example. That's another Pharisee that he was a Pharisee. He wasn't a Sadducee, right? I think he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Well, that's that's another Pharisee. Um, you know, comes to Jesus, starts asking all these questions, and Jesus, you know, are you not 
you know, an expert in the law, you know. And, you want to be teaching. But, but the funny part is, what happened to Nicodemus between then and Jesus' burial? Because he's mentioned again. That's right. You know, bur- in the burial of Jesus. And uh, I know if you've watched The Chosen, it it, it kind of plays off of this a little bit and alludes to this. But just wondering, you know, because obviously he probably kept his position as a Pharisee. I dare say, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, he may have just gotten radical and left all that. He undoubtedly had some pull because he got his body. Right. So he still, I, I believe, was probably in that position mm-hmm. as a Pharisee. Now, where that went from there, I don't know, but I still believe he had that faith in Christ because, I mean, he was... I'm know. like that, too. I, I Clearly... And that's just a belief because, obviously, Scripture does not indicate any yeah. of that. There's, There's... To me, I believe that that conversation in John 3, I think it was. Yeah. He talked to Nicodemus. Yeah. That the gospel message was planted in his heart. Yeah. And I don't believe he ever had a moment's peace about it. No. From there on out. No. Uh, there's a rumor. I was watching a, a documentary. This is not in the Bible at all. Yeah. Anybody listen? You know, disclaimer, disclaimer. Yeah. I was watching a, a documentary on, uh, I think it was the Gospel of Matthew or something like that. Yeah. And there was a guy who founded a church in uh, Great Britain. And it was said, his name was funny, and one of the guys said it was Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah. That they believed it was him or Nicodemus, or, or both, yeah. that actually started that church, that they fled Jerusalem after wow. after the fall of Jerusalem, and they, they established the first church in that area. Wow. So if that's true, and that's a big if, if that's true, then I would I would say then there's your evidence that yeah. there was something that happened. Yeah, you know, and and let's not forget, let's not forget that the first converts were all Jewish. Yeah, we we often think of the church today as purely Gentile, and yeah. or Greek or, or anything other than ethnic Jew, but the first Christians were all Jewish. Yeah, you know, and uh, well, I mean, if you even look at the disciples, I mean, you see throughout their time with Jesus that. Jesus even had to pull some legalism out of them at point oh, yeah. at points in time, you know, where this is this way or this is that way. And You've heard it said. Yeah, and, and he just completely rocked the boat. So let's do that. Let's let's look at something uh, that that you may have laid the groundwork to, and and both of us didn't have ears to hear. <laughs> so you were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, yep. and I don't remember if it was in our, on the last recording or if this was between podcasts that you were talking about the Sermon on the I Mount. I think it was in between. So. Uh, the law yep. comes and people trying to keep the law. Yep. So uh, when the, Jesus saw the crowds coming up on the mountain, this is Matthew 5, if you don't know, and, the, and he sat down and the disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, Excuse me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for those are the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I highlighted that one because at times I need to remember that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Now, I dare say that not anybody fits every one of those except Jesus. Yeah. Right? Right. 
So, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, or has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. city sitting on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does it light uh, anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, it gives light to, the, to all who are in the house. If your light shall shine before men, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Yep. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth have passed away, the smallest letter of stroke shall pass from the law. The, not, the smallest letter of no shall not pass away from the law. I think I said that right, but I was reading too fast for me to catch up with it. I was with you. Okay. So whoever then annuls the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so shall be least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, unless the righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's huge, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because those people at that time would have been saying, well, then who's going? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So right away, all the law that they're keeping ain't good enough. Yeah. That doesn't equate to enough righteousness. So what he's done, he has set the bar extremely high. In fact, in unreachably high in this statement. Then he says, you've heard it said in the ancients were told, you shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Here's the law. Right? right, you've heard and been taught you shall not commit adultery. Let's see. Oh, nope, I got out of line. Let me back up and repent. Twenty-one doesn't say adultery. You've heard it said, "You shall not commit murder." And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, "You good for nothing," shall be guilty before <laughs> the supreme court. And whoever says, "You fool," shall be guilty enough to go into a fiery hell. That is strong language. I feel like I'm already guilty. You know what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> good for nothing. So we're equating harsh speech yeah. to murder. Yeah. And then we're going to take it even further and say, if you're too harsh in your speech. You're you're condemnable enough to just go straight to hell. Yeah, I'm talking about raising the bar, right? I mean, just completely. So then, the question I've always had is: Is this a deepening of the law, or is this an unveiling of what the point of the law is? Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, definitely, I think it, it gets away from the it gets away from the general general what is generality? I guess I don't know. Generic word. General, let's just say general. It gets away from the general thing and gets to the nuts and bolts of the heart of the yeah, issue. The heart of the issue. The heart and, and how sinful it is. I mean, it's pretty much just what he was doing. Yeah. El- that elevation, so to speak, of that setting of the bar of just like what you were saying. And, and the thing is, you know, the thing that, you know, for I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In their legalism, they were also committing idolatry. Absolutely. So they're breaking the second commandment. Exactly. I mean, they were they were keeping all these things of, um, you know, washing their bowls and doing this and don't doing this on the Sabbath, and they were committing idolatry in a sense because they were making the law God, and they were missing God that was standing before them, and and, you know. The one that actually came to fulfill the law to make it, you know, 
I ain't going to say null and void because he fulfilled it. He didn't do away with it. He That's fulfilled correct. it. We, well, later on, Paul would say we established the law. Yeah. But why? Because I wouldn't have known sin without it. Right? Right. So the law is important because uh, – are you familiar with Charles Spurgeon? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Charles Spurgeon says things like the law takes us to the cross, and after that it, can do, it can't do nothing yeah. else for you. Yeah. You know, I think that in a lot of ways – when the law was given to a stubborn and stiff-necked people, mm. it was so that they could have a communion with God. But like man, because man is so sinful, you give him a hard room with a corner in it, and he'll go to the edges of that corner. Yeah. You tell him he can go this far, and he'll go that far. We're always looking for where the edges of what's permissible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You put a fence up. The first thing a cow does is go to it and eat the grass on the other side of it. <laughs> I seen that the other day. It went so far. And here's the crazy part. Here's an illustration. I seen this cow in the fence. He had his head through the fence eating grass. And he had his leg through the <laughs> fence on the other side eating grass. It was a barbed wire fence. And yeah. I was like. Killing himself to eat grass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And the whole field of it behind him, right? It, it wasn't just his head throwing it just to see what was going on. He was actually stepping on the other side of it. Yeah, I mean that'll preach. That's it's, another sermon. It's crazy, but that's the way man is. Yeah, you you say, all right, here's here's the room of the law. Yeah, and the first thing you do is say, well, can I do this? Yeah, you know, he's like, man, I tell you what, now and I used the one for adultery because every red blooded man in the world's been guilty yeah. of it, right? Yeah, it, there may be people who have never committed adultery on their wife physically. Yeah. But he doesn't even say you have to be married to do this. Yeah. So he's like, listen, it gets to the heart of the of it. It doesn't give you a fence to step through. Yeah. It it holds you accountable where you are and it, it checks your motives. It checks your intents, your thoughts. It it opens it up to, to something that you can't you can't skirt a rule. Well, and the funny funny part is this this brings us full circle back to holiness. You know, in the sense of, you cannot do it without Christ. You exactly. know, legalism says, "I got this." Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I can't remember where it's at in the Bible, but you know, it says something about don't eat, don't taste, don't touch. I, I can't remember. It was Paul talking about something. I can't remember where it's at. It says, "Touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among them, be ye separate. Yeah, touch not the unclean yeah, thing." He's talking about those things, but. You know, there's there's that two sided coin there talking about holiness. Um, don't let your evil be, or don't let your good be evil spoken yeah. of. Don't, you know, good corruption. Where's it at? That's the that's the other question. Where is that located? That's what I'm not sure. Well, that part's in First Corinthians chapter 15, where he says, "We're know, just reading that." We it's in between what I was just reading. It okay. says, "It says bad company corrupts good morals," and then uh, I'm getting subliminal messages. So <laughs> there's, and and I can't. Right off the top of my head, I can't tell you where it says, come out from among you and touch not the unclean thing. But but there again, what Jesus was doing in Matthew 5 was yeah. pretty much saying what he had said later. You know, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself, saying that, you know, there's that two-sided coin. We talked about the grace side. You know, we're talking about the legalism, getting to that heart of the issue, mm-hmm. saying, I came to fulfill the law. You know, that your righteousness has to be better than the scribes and the Pharisees. I wonder how that made them feel when they were standing there. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. I was like, Hold wait. on a second. <laughs> I, I, Gamaliel said we good. Yeah. I've been sitting at Gamaliel's feet. I wonder if Paul was there when he said these things. 
You know, that's a good question. Uh, where was Paul during all this? Yeah, he's like, and I dare say, well, I don't know. Wait a minute, old boy. You know, I wonder if he if he wasn't. He had to have been there around the you time. Think? Well, he was there for Stone and Stephen. But well, how young was he? I wonder. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Stephen, I wonder what his Stephen age was. was. Well, I think. Uh, was he younger than the other disciples at the time of? You know, when when he was in their midst, when you know he had those conversations with Peter and stuff. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to do some historical looking into that. My gut says that he was about Peter's age, maybe a little older. Yeah. But I can't tell you that for sure because Hmm. I've never done any study on how old Paul was. Tune in the next podcast. (laughs) Next time. (laughs) Next time. Yeah. But um, there again, you know, holiness. Going back to holiness, it is just it's it's done under the grace of Jesus, and it's done under Jesus. But right here in Ephesians five fifteen sixteen, it says, "See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil." And again, Miriam's Webster. <laughs> I always, I use that depth to define everything. Circumspect is careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences, being prudent. Um, but there again, all through the grace of God and through Jesus Christ. Um, but here you go. I got you. I'm listening. Colossians. Oh. Okay. Let's go to Colossians. Oh man, he took nail to the cross. You go, oh, you can do it to me. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to Colossians. Let's go up. to uh, eight and ten. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. That's just what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Here you go. This is this is what I was talking about. Colossians 2, uh, 20 through 23. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Mm-hmm. Most people take this completely out of context and think, well, I can do what I want. But he was speaking to yeah. the Jewish people and to these pharisaical, legalistic people of all these things they were trying to carry. But then it goes on to say, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have in appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of flesh. That's right. <laughs> so he was he was saying Romans that all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that the, we had a this podcast that I helped this other guy with. There's yep. there's some guys that that drink alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. I I can't condemn the drinking of alcohol enough right. because I used to be a drunk, and I think it's best you just leave it alone. Right. And I know a lot of people will argue with me on that, to which I say. Well, if you've seen the dangers of it and you walk headlong into it, you're an idiot. So I abstain wholeheartedly from alcohol, and I suggest that everybody yeah. abstain from it yeah. because I see no good in it. Right. Right? But I'm not going to tell you that it's that, that abstaining from it somehow makes you right with God. Yeah. Right? Right. Because that would be legalism. Mm-hmm. And even though it may be permissible for you, it might not be expedient for you. It might not be good for you. Right? Mm -hmm. So, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership was righteousness with uh, with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. So, there is a difference between 
there is a difference between saying something is is legalistic and condemnable yeah. versus something is just unlawful. Yeah. Which is a transgression, right? Yeah. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? So there is a difference. Yeah. Right? Or what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said, I will dwell in them, they will walk among them. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, hmm. says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome and I will welcome you and will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now that's in Second Corinthians chapter six. That doesn't mean that just because you've come out from among them that he makes you his sons and his daughters mm-hmm. or that you're right with him, but you can't walk in the world and in and the temple yep. at the same time. Right. You have to be one or the other. That's sanctification separate. Yep. Right? Right. Different than legalism. Right. Now, uh, like I said, I don't I don't agree with drinking alcohol. Yep. I don't agree with, with using drugs or, or or you know, at the same time there's a lot of things that I might be doing. I, I'll give you an example. This is an easier one because uh, a lot of people condemn drinking that aren't Christian, right? There's, right. there's entire AA things that are made up yep. of people who condemn drinking. Here, so uh, when I got saved, I quit cussing. Yeah, because there were cuss words that were that were just unacceptable for the Christian to say. Yep. I knew that without ever being told that. Right. And I used to substitute the F word for another word that started with F that we use to describe somebody who looks strange. Like you would say somebody who's dressed like a freak. Yeah. Well, I would put an ING at the end of it and substitute a full utter filth word for yeah. that word whenever I was angry. Right. Well, that's cussing. Right. Right? Right. But I was being legal in the fact that I was using an acceptable cuss word, right? Right. And it wasn't until the man that I had, I had led to the Lord, he said, I really wish you'd quit saying that because that hurts me when you do that. I said, what hurts you? He said, when you say those cuss words, I can't believe you say those things. I said, I don't say cuss words. He said, yeah, you do. And then he told me that he had a friend who, who used the same word and substituted the F word. And they said he did that because that was that was legal in his house, you know. Mm. And I thought, wow, I've become a, I'm becoming part of the problem. Yeah. You know, so what it caused me to do was evaluate my speech, Matthew 5. Yeah. When you get angry, do you call somebody worthless? Or do you take, or do you take a time to realize that I can be angry and not sin? I can be mad about the situation and not rail him with my tongue. And we're all bad about that, especially in the Southern culture. Yeah, I know. And we, you know, we use all kinds of words. Bless his heart. Yeah. Just another word saying, "Boy, you're so stupid." You know, and that's what we're that's what we're doing. You know. Well, there was. um, I know that I'm not sure where it's at off the top of my head. It's either Romans or Corinthians. But where Paul was talking about, you know, basically being careful about offending your brother, you mm-hmm. know, talking about eating meat. And I know it's easy to say, it's it's easy to also use your freedom mm-hmm. and grace, you know, piggybacking on what you're saying and use that and be like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I, I use this word, I use that word. Uh, I know somebody, I'm not going to name any names, but somebody I knew, um, used to not like the word stupid or, or the term shut up. And, you know, we'd be like, well, you know, 
why can't I say that and this, that, and the other? But in reality, I mean, it wasn't I kind of being sinful by acting like, well, I mean, I can say it. I'm going to say it anyway. You know, you, you know if, if I'm offending them, in a sense, and I know that you can take that to an extreme as well and take that completely different. You can. You, know, you, can, you can take and you can run anything legally. Yep. Right? And you can make... You can make something that isn't sinful sinful. Yep. And likewise, you can be overly, overly critical. I think the biggest part about what you're talking about when he talks about uh, those who eat, those who uh, have the liberty to eat, he, they were those who didn't have that liberty were weak spiritually. Yeah. Right. All right. So, I think that we just have to be very careful. Yeah, we have to be very careful not 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 legalistically careful, you know. But we have to be careful enough to realize that every word you say does have some some consequence Absolutely. to it, good or bad. Absolutely, there's consequences to it, and there's convictions that need to be maintained. Because I think is it James that says uh, talking about controlling the tongue. No, no, no. When James was talking about how for you for those who know right to do it not, for him it's sin. sin. Yeah. For him, because there will be people. Who don't know yeah. that this is wrong? Yeah. And if God hasn't revealed it to them through Scripture, and they're a believer, and, you, and maybe you reveal it to them, and they adhere to it just because they respect you, then they're still not yeah. doing it because it's right. But if God reveals to them that it's wrong, and they and they don't listen, then they're sinning. And it might be something that isn't called out as sin. I've heard people say things like. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch television. I don't watch television because I make David Wilkerson. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't a sin to watch television. He wasn't watching pornography, I'm sure, on television. But Not, then that brings you back to... Um, convictions. Convictions. Yeah, personal convictions. Yeah. You know, I feel like that also covers convictions, you know, to him that does right and does do it, you know. It's yeah. sin. That's also personal convictions as well. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's, There's no way... There's no way that a man of God ever lives his life without there being something God's convicted him of right. that drives him in a direction. Convictions right. are a good thing. They're what they're what help you stay the course. They're given yeah. by God. You know, condemnation is not. Right. But conviction is. Yep. So I'm gonna throw another curveball your oh, way. Oh boy, here we go. Here, here's your question. I don't know if you've heard this term. Has anybody say this or not? I have several times. What do you say to those who claim or believe that they can go without sin or say that there are days they don't sin? Mm. Or there's there's I oh well there's times where I don't sin or there's days where I don't sin. Because I have my own feelings about that one, but So I I have heard that many times, especially in the Church of God. And I don't know. Hmm. That's a tough one, man. It is a tough one because I think that if you're not careful, you, you run into the error that you see in the epistles of John where he says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Well, John, I mean, not John. Um, Paul, Paul was the first one to say, you know, hey, uh, you know. Among sinners, I'm chief. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, you know, there, you know, if uh, things I want to do, I don't do, and things I don't want to do, I do. That's right. He said, <laughs> therefore, he goes on to say, therefore, the thing, the evil, and when I do wrong, it's not I that do it, but the evil that's in me. Yep. There's been people who excuse sinful behavior because they say it's not really them that's doing it. Well, technically, if if you say there's days I do not sin, isn't that technically almost taking a form of pride? 
It may be. In a sense. I, I would say this. If I felt like there had been a day or, or, or there had been a period of time where I, I said, boy, I ain't seen it in a long time. I think that I might would take a step back and evaluate that statement. Yeah. I'm not going to come right out and say that there are days that there's not a day people seeing it. And I'll tell you why. Full disclosure. Personally, I think it's it's not next to impossible to go a day without sinning. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. There wouldn't be a need for grace if there was if I I leave I leave a smidgen of a chance for somebody to sleep all day under a medically induced coma that they have actually no chance of doing anything wrong in, right? Right. But I'm I'm joking when I say that. But I mean <laughs> there's the reason I say that I that I I word it that way. I don't want to give a license for people to openly and willfully sin because there's no way they they can keep from sinning. See, yeah. I've heard people who's uh, I, I work with. So, so I work with some rough dudes sometimes. Yeah. Right. Everybody, everybody you work in the world, you're going to work with some Absolutely. rough dudes. And they'll be. Uh, I I can't tell you the times when I've walked by and they'll turn their phones because they know they I don't want to see what they're looking yeah. at and they're all gathered around right. And one of them guys said something. He said, well, he said, well show John. He, and, he, and one said, oh, he, don't, he don't want to see that stuff. Just leave, it, leave John alone. Like what you're talking about when yeah. he was working you know, at, at the grocery store. And, uh, and he said, what? Well, God made her. And she's beautiful. I said, God made the sun too, but I'm not going to go there and stare at it. That's a good point. And, and, uh, <laughs> and he said, well, it ain't like you can keep from sinning, so you might as well. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Wow. So if you're going to take... If you're going to take a teaching that you've heard your pastor say that you can't go a single day without sin as an excuse to just to just sin openly and make provision for sin, then you you know you're in a condemned position, right. in my opinion. My my take on it is one of these. I don't think that the Christian makes provision for sin. I don't think that the Christian the the, genu, the, gen, the general rule is that. You don't get up in the morning and say, today I sin. No, absolutely not. Today I decide the day is the day that I commit murder with my my mouth or with a rifle. I think if that be the case, then you're not saved at all. Agreed. But does that mean then that the sin that you commit is instantly pardoned? No. No. So So there's a mystery here to me, right? Because you have two camps then. You have a camp that says... Well, my sins are forgiven all past, present, and future. Therefore, I'm covered under the blood. Yeah. And then you have a group that says, well, your future sins can't be forgiven for you haven't done them yet. And if you say your future sins are forgiven, then you're, then you're saying that you don't need to pray anymore. Again, we're getting into legalism. These are, these are man-made logical fallacies, I believe. Well, I think, and, and I'm, i got to be careful here, I think if in the case that you say my future sins are forgiven then that gets into the case of once saved, always saved. Agreed. That's what that's exactly where I was going. These dogmas that we have that we have set up are yeah. man made. Right. I think that I'm choosing to be optimistic when I say this. Uh I, I'm probably more reformed in my thinking than most charismatics are. Right. But I don't see this unconditional eternal security that is preached. Yeah. Through throughout modern 
evangelical American evangelical yeah. church. Right? I don't I don't see it, and I can't stand behind something I can't see. Yeah. I do see where it says all your past sins are forgiven. We read that a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I do see a need where you need to continually be in right standing yep. with God. But to their credit, in John, he says, I would that you, don't, that you don't sin, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. Yeah. Now, that that would lead some to believe that, yes, he's, he's praying for you, or he's interceding for you and your future sins already. Yeah. There may be some theological truth there that I can't unpack and understand. Yeah. But are you going to hang eternity on it? That's that's <laughs> yeah. that's what it boils down to. Are you going to are you going to hang your eternity based on because if you hang your eternity on a unconditional eternal security, you've hung your eternity on a law that you've made up. Yep. Two-edged sword now. If you hang your eternity on a more traditional Arminian approach that says I need to continually be praying because of the sins that I may be committing, if I die with one of these unconfessed sins in my life, I'm I'm condemned to hell because there's unconfessed sin. (laughs) Now we're getting into now you're getting the can of arms. You're getting to the other side of legalism that that means that you're necessary that you have to be always on the go for your salvation. You have no trust and no hope in Christ and his saving work. There again, it brings you back to works. Brings you back to works. So, so that's why I say that, that when man makes a rule, he wants to go through the fence. He wants to go to the edge of it. Why push it? Why not just take the, the common sense approach to this and say, well, if I really want to honor God and the sacrifice he's made for me, then when I have an opportunity and I'm and I see an opportunity to do right or to sin, I do right. Yeah. So much as God's grace allows me to. Right. If I find myself doing wrong because I'm still in flesh and blood and God opens my eyes to the wrong that I'm doing, I stop. Yeah. And I ask God to forgive me. So I suppose to take a very lawyer view of it. Maybe it is possible for a man to go a day without sinning or two or three days without sinning. But is he considering a sin something that he can write down or is he considering a sin? I mean, is he talking about provision for sin or is he talking about just being in the flesh? I dare say that a man who says he's went all day without sinning didn't drive anywhere. Yeah. Because, you know, if you drive through Boger City, it's hard to, it's hard to get to the end of Boger City without becoming so angry that you didn't wish you had a truck with a big bumper on it. You could push people off the road. Well, what if you didn't go anywhere and just laid around the house and ate all day? Well, then you'd be slothful, and that's a sin. <laughs> I mean, there again, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go. I mean, but at the same time, and, and again, I know i got to be careful here, but, you know, there may be things. I'm trying to think of how to word this and make it not sound ignorant. There may be things written that you got to still be careful of. It brings us back to him that knows to do right and does not do it. Yeah. It is sin. I mean, there's still things that God requires of us. Maybe that we don't necessarily see written down black and white in a paragraph, but you know what I'm saying? Sure. Where I'm getting at there. Um, so in case in point, uh, the Bible doesn't say blatantly and specifically uh, you shouldn't, watch movies with cursing in it but i know some people in my family that that they feel like that's their conviction 
So in that case, if they was to do that, I mean, they couldn't say, well, the Bible says not to yeah. watch movies with cussing it. But for them, that's sinful. So you know, you know what I'm saying? Where I I'm do. getting at there. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, you want to honor God in everything. In everything. In everything. So in, in some senses, if everything that you do in a day honors God, and you spent every minute of the day honoring God, and you chose at the end of that day to look at all that you've done that day and put hope in it, then you just broke yeah. the law and you sinned by being arrogant. Well, and the funny part is, it's just like what my dad always says. I mean, you can be the absolute best you can be, and you can be, you know, you can, on a scale, you can be the best person in the world, but... In reality, I mean, you still ain't nobody without Christ. That's right. You know, so, I mean, that, my answer to that question of do those who claim they can believe they can go without sin, I believe that is a negative. A negative goes right the pattern negative. <laughs> I mean, because I just, I think that you get into a certain level of pride. I believe you're right. At the same hand, I have heard people say that you can. I'm not going to. I'm not going to die on that hill. I won't either. I mean, I'll I, say it. I mean, I'll, I'll stir the pot a little bit. I'm fine but, with it. I'll stir that pot. But. I I think that it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a goal. It is a goal. Yeah. I mean, it brings us back to holiness. You yeah, know, trying I mean, to live in a, in a way that is separate is, you know, or holy nation, royal priesthood. You know, yeah. that's what we're called to. Chosen people. Chosen people. Peculiar people. I love it. Chosen I'm, people. I'm peculiar, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's a word. So, so if if opposite of that, you love the Lord. Yep. Something happens. You make a mistake, and you knew you was making a mistake, and you just blew it. How do you approach that? I mean, that's where grace comes in. I mean that. In, That's a in, big brush to paint with. Yeah, and simplicity. And it's hard for you to imagine <coughs> because growing up, you know, believe it or not, I used to. No joke. When I was a kid, you know, growing up in this, you know, this. Um, I, I guess I'll say this uh, holiness movement, some legalistic type of things. I used to walk around all the time and. Uh, oh Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Lord, forgive me for that thought, forgive me for this. And I honestly, I'd wake up. I mean, sometimes and be afraid. I'd go check, make sure that my parents wasn't disappeared and the rapture took place. But the thing is, I had to come to realize is that you know, God is not willing that any should perish. And I believe that you know, He know He sees people's hearts. You know, He knows people's hearts, and He knows things that we don't know we're so quick to judge people yeah and we're so quick to well you know why are they doing that you don't know if maybe they just got saved you don't know um yeah and, and that brings us back to that point so of, let's bring it back to personal so there's been times after salvation i just flat dropped the ball yeah absolutely just flat dropped the ball and and i was so ashamed because she's like i know better than this yeah right and and this is real. This is real stuff, man. And, and we don't talk about it because it makes us look bad. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't care if I look bad. I, I I've dropped the ball. To go to God and ask Him to forgive you for something that you knowed was wrong is so sickening feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, but there again, 
it's, it, it almost breaks your heart. You yeah. know, it does. And But the funny part is, the Bible says that God is near to those with a broken heart and contrite spirit. You know, so in essence, again, there again, it goes back to God knows your heart. Because, you know, where man looks at the outward, yeah. God looks at the inward, and he sees your heart, and he knows like oh yeah dude i know that you dropped the ball yeah, but man you're one big screw up you know that man you know, how can you be so ignorant i mean and that's what you deal with when you yeah. don't have kids yet but that's why you know your kids will do something sometimes and you'll have to punish them you're like i don't know how many times i've said stuff like this to my kids <sighs> you know better than that yep how many times have we been down this road but i don't disown them no no right i'm still a jones i'm <laughs> still a jones i punish them you know what I mean? I take something from them or I send them to the room. You know, you ain't supposed to say you spank them because, you know, that's illegal, right? Whatever. Yeah. So, you know, if you were to take your hand and briskly swat them on the backside, right? And then you take the telephone from them or, or you take the television from them or you take the internet or whatever it is you take from your child that you know is a form of discipline, it means you love them. We read yeah. that scripture earlier, yeah. right? So then there's times that you may mess up to anybody who's listening. Don't don't fall into this trap. The trap that you you've willfully sinned and now you just have to go ahead and forsake God because it's too hard to come back. Yeah, don't fall true. into that trap. Nope. Because I think everybody who's listening to this has done that. Yeah. And and while there is shame, that's yep. fair, ain't it? Oh, absolutely. There's shame in that. I think that that is the sign of a regenerate heart that knows it's messed up. Yeah. And I think that where there's shame, there's sorrow under repentance, there's also a, a father who's waiting. Maybe there'll be some chastening. Yeah. There may be some, uh, I, I felt like at times you get the cold shoulder when you pray. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's like, you know what? I can't even look at you right now. Yeah. And then he leaves the room. He's like, wait, 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 wait. You yeah. know? So whether that's me, you know, internalizing shame or whether that's me, you know, or maybe he's just looking seeing at, how far you're going to go to come back. You know? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Uh, there's times I think sometimes we, we view God through the lenses that we viewed our earthly father in. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have done that, you know, because our earthly fathers are fallible. Yeah. And he is not. So I, I do urge you if you're listening and that's ever happened, I don't care how far you fail. Just keep falling a little further and go all the way to your knees with it. Yeah. And ask God to save you if you've never known him. And ask God to forgive you if you've, if you've known him messed up. Don't get lifted up in pride and think that you have an excuse for it. And don't be beat down in shame to the point to where you don't ask God to save you and change you. That would be a PSA. Public service announcement. Yeah. Big jump. <laughs> there you go. Psalms 103, 3 and 4. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. 8 through 12, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Um, and then the 17 and 18 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children to such as keep his covenant to those who remember his commandments. I don't think we really... 
understand how loving and gracious God really is. No, we really don't. We don't like we we're so human is the best way I could put it, and earthly and carnal. We do not understand God at all. And it, I say that like that, but we don't understand. We don't. I don't think we really have a. I think that in our limited human understanding, we may have a tiny percentage of really understanding God's attributes and His who goodness. God is. I'm telling you, His goodness and grace and mercy, and that alone, if that does not change somebody, yeah, nothing will. That's right. The lifter of my head. Oh, man. Okay. You're going to come back to that <laughs> for, one. For old Brandon Aiken out there. I'm going to take another lap. Psalm 3-3. Man. He says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. You know, there's... there's I, we need to have Brother Brandon. I hate, well. He preached on that. Man, that messed me up. That still messed me up. I can't even... Mm. So how do, we, how do we land this plane? How long has this been going on? And I'll, you know. Are we about a an hour and 24 minutes in? So, yeah. If you've listened, bless you. Yeah, that's, bless. that's a long There's one. a special blessing for you. There would be a jewel in your crown for listening to the, the mad ramblings of two Pentecostals. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, can I get 15 minutes? You know, <laughs> somebody says I'm closing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I do want to add this really quickly. All right, I'm listening. Going on to... Holiness, grace, righteousness, all those things. We cannot forget to mention the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole other topic, which we will very briefly, I'm going to very briefly bring that up. I mean, you know, if you want to get more about that, then you need to check out the last three podcasts I just did, which I, I need to cover that more, you know, just Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus... You know, I talked about an insurance policy and stuff. Not only was it, okay, let's say liability, but he just went ahead and threw some extra in there with the Holy Spirit. Now he, now we got an umbrella policy. Yeah. You know, because if you know anything about insurance, you know, no, you I can. Don't. <laughs> well, I learned this the other day. You know, that's the perks of just getting married. You know, you yeah. find out all these things all of a sudden. You know how you always say. You married a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how you always say, well, how am I supposed to learn all this stuff when I get married? It's very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. But um, if you know anything about insurance, they ask you, well, do you want liability? You want collision? You want all these things? And, and when you have an umbrella policy, it just kind of covers a lot of things, right? So, I mean, God, I mean, he kind of gives us an umbrella policy with, you know, okay, we got Jesus, salvation, grace, goodness, you know, mercy, love. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. You know, when I leave, I'm going to send you another, you know, a helper. A comforter. A comforter. I mean, a lot of people say, what's the work work of the Holy Spirit? I mean, that goes, I mean, that goes a mile-long list, you know. Uh, Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all the way. I mean, there's so many things. Gifts of the Spirit, you know. So, I just feel like we should cover that right quick. I don't know if you got anything you want to add on to the the Holy Spirit. Well, I mean... Like I said everything that everything accomplished in holiness, everything accomplished in in your in your walk with God is is kept and maintained by the Holy Spirit. Yep. We don't do anything apart from God. Jesus says, "I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you do nothing." Yeah. You know, and and God is a triune God. Yeah. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. 
and we don't do nothing unless God does it. Yep. I got to find, uh, let's see. I, I just posted something earlier on Cross Gen's website, and it was uh, William J. Seymour, if you know much about him, from the Azusa Street Revival. It says, the Pentecostal power, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. If it does not bring more love, it's simply a counterfeit. Mm. So I believe that if you want to, if you want to get to a place where we're I'm trying to think of how to sum that up, if you want to find out how to tackle all these issues, I feel like <clears throat> the power and baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit can really help you and lead you into that place of just a better understanding and a better. I mean, is that is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's totally fair to say. I was doing something else. I apologize. But um, I guess we're going to sum this up here. You got anything else you want to add here? Oh, not as far as this topic, no, but I do want to thank you for uh, for a couple things. One, I hadn't said it face-to-face to you. I want to appreciate you putting the podcast on your oh, website. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It, it's, it's a privilege. Oh, and the other thing is, I, I enjoy this kind of conversation, and I don't think that we as Pentecostals have these conversations enough. No, no. If we boast that we're a group of people who are spirit-filled and led by the Spirit, yeah. And if the Word of God is in is indeed breathed, as we see in Scripture, is inspired by breathed by the Holy Spirit, then who would be better equipped than people who are spirit-led yeah. to understand the Word of God? Right. And I think we ought to take that. I think we ought to take that back. Yeah, we ought to become authorities in this scripture. Absolutely, and not be afraid of, of difficult topics like these. These are these are topics that can be taboo. Yeah, in, in charismatic churches because we've become known as a people who are more into music than yeah. study. Well, but I tell you something else too. People are afraid to ask hard questions and things that are your doctrinal just foundational belief people have a hard time i'm not going to say um trying to think of the right right term for that people have a hard time asking well why this and if this why this yeah and i just think it's good to sit and have these conversations and discourse i agree i agree wholeheartedly but well to you i appreciate you being on cross gen because that's um it's not only making us better it's just you know i I just enjoy that camaraderie and and bringing in more people and because i i never wanted cross gen to be a me thing i wanted more people to bring their gifts to be able to propel them in ministry and it helps make us um even better as well so i appreciate you being a part man there's no place i'd rather be so but we will definitely have more of these conversations. Uh, I don't know about the frequency, but we will definitely get together more and have some more uh, real talk with Cross Gen. I don't know if that'll be the name of it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. We'll we will uh, let you know as we get there. But continue to check out Real Talk Big John. Um, you pretty much put those out almost weekly, bi-weekly, don't you? Well, I work a very weird schedule. And uh, whenever I have days off and nobody has uh, filled them up with things, I, I record a bunch of them. Right. And then I do my very best to publish them as often as I can. Uh, I, 
I'm not as computer literate as I need to be. So some of these things I wind up doing three or four times. So they don't, <laughs> and, and and some of them never get put up there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I try to do them. I try to do one a week. Yeah. And if I can, if you've noticed some of them, they'll be like three in one week or three in one day. It's because I didn't have any time off. So they've been they've been done, and I just hit the upload button. Yeah. And so yeah, I try to I try to put content out there as much as possible. Yeah. Well, definitely check out Real Talk with Big John. He will have more content available. Again, you can find you can find all his content on crosschamproductions.org. I always say .com and messes people up. It's actually .org. Yeah, I messed up and said it. Dot, I say dot .com all the time, and, and then people are like, what is this? It's not. Yeah. yeah. .org. And uh, you can also find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and other places podcasts are available. You can check out CrossGen Podcast on crossgenproductions.org and other places podcasts are available. Um that was a long plug. That was a terribly long plug. But it's all a <laughs> shameless <laughs> plug. Just, just putting that out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, that we just, I just uploaded episode, the first episode of this. So this, okay. the part two will be uploaded as soon as we're done. And uh, if you've enjoyed this contact, uh, Brother Austin, we'll, if there's something you'd like us to talk about that we didn't cover here, yep. or if we missed something so blatant because of our ignorance, you know, call us out on it. Yep, email us. Uh, you can find our email. You can get in contact with us through uh, our Facebook, but uh, more so directly, you can get in contact with us on crossgen.org on Connect. You have my email as well as John's email. So um, definitely, you know, email us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if there's any topics maybe you want us to cover that we didn't cover, as John said, we will definitely do that. Um <coughs> I think that's it. I that's think it. I covered everything. All right. Covered you. that thing like a blanket. <laughs> I mean, a warm blanket, yeah. I'm telling you. But, um, all right, well, y'all have a good week. It's about 11 o'clock here. <laughs> that is uh, New York time, <coughs> Eastern <laughs> Standard. <laughs> yeah, for all and, you in uh, California, it's 8 o'clock. They were, they were all, and by all I mean two, were in the basement in one mind and one accord. <laughs> and... Uh, I hear the the wind blowing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm out of coffee. I'm out. All right. Well, y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.